Did you ever experience buyer's remorse? Oh, yeah. Well, I, I experienced it this week. I had some buyer's remorse, and it was our Christmas shopping blues. You know, you could almost write a song about it. And uh, because I've been trying to get, get my, you know, none of, my, none of our family lives here. None of my kids or grandkids, none of Ruth's kids and grandkids live here. And so they all, live out, they all live out of state. Well, I don't know if you've been to the post office or UPS or FedEx lately. Sometimes to ship a gift to someone costs more than the gift in the box. It's outrageous. And then it may get delayed and not get there on time. So in recent years, we've elected to uh, uh, be Amazon shoppers. And, uh, and we found out this year that there are certain items you can't even get there in time for Christmas. You know, like ladies' jeans and, you know, clothing items and things because they got to ship them from California or Taiwan or China or somewhere. And so there's no guarantees. And, and uh, we're prime members of Amazon because we want to save on the shipping. And we do. We save a ton of money on shipping by being members. And uh, and so here I am, you know, I'm, you know, I'm, hey, hey, send us your Amazon wish list, you know. Oh, we don't have one. We'll make one and send it to us so we'll know what you want for Christmas. And, and so all this hurry up, hurry up, and then we look at the list and we think, oh, that's all just a bunch of garbage. <laughs> we don't want to give them that. And then, but, you know, we, we pick an item or two and we, and we uh, you know, uh, put it in the cart, and then we, right before we hit purchase, we make sure it's going to get there before Christmas. I mean, it's a real process. So you got to pick the gift. You got to make sure it's going to get there before Christmas, and you got to say, well, in the process of doing all that, I sent all of Aaron and Stephanie and Ethan and Marley's gifts, I sent them all to Aaron Thomason at Patsy Junction. So he's getting all these boxes with his name on them, but he doesn't know what's in them, and he doesn't know who, who they're for. <laughs> I, forgot to, I forgot to send it to Aaron's gift to Aaron, Stephanie's gift to Stephanie, Ethan's gifts to Ethan, Marley's gift to Marley. Y'all understand? Oh, yeah. now, this, 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 and then, in, so I, I, had to, I had to send him, the gift that's arriving Wednesday is for Marley, the gift that's arriving Thursday is for you, don't open it, the gift that's arriving Friday is for Stephanie. You know, had to go through all of that. Mm -hmm. At least Heather knew that she got anything. It was for her. Yeah. And uh, and so and then you know you know Ruth has got similar situation on her side. And and then I'm looking at the gifts after after I've sent them. I'm looking at the gifts and I'm thinking I'm not real happy with that. I wish I'd got them something else. And so I have buyer's remorse. Anybody, can anybody relate to what I'm talking about? Uh, maybe I'm just way out there. And, uh, and so there, there are a lot of things we do in life that we regret later. And, you know, we meant well. We had good intentions. But somehow or another, we, just, we, just, we look back on it and we think, you know, I could have done better. I should have done better. I should have started earlier. Then I wouldn't have had that shipping date situation, you know, and all of that. 
Well, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, we find out that we could have some kind of buyer's remorse when we get to heaven. You think, you know, most of the time we think, well, when I get to heaven, it's going to be glorious. Uh, yes, for the most part. But the Bible does talk about a moment, a moment in heaven when you might actually weep when you might experience some regret and some remorse. And I want to, I want to read that, 2 Corinthians 5, 9. 2 Corinthians 5, 9 in the King James says, Wherefore we labor that whether present or absent we may be accepted of him. So Paul is saying that our, real, our aim in life is to live a life acceptable to God. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. We, we Christians, he's writing this to believers. We Christians are going to appear before the judgment seat of Christ, not to see if we make it to heaven, because that is in heaven. You're in heaven already. It's not about your salvation. It's about your works. He says that you must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that every one of you, every one of you, may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. So all of your works that are done here are going to be judged there to see if they're worthy. Well, look in 1 Corinthians Chapter 3, I probably should have started there and then gone to 2 Corinthians, but 1 Corinthians 3.12 says, Now if any man build upon this foundation, he's talking about the foundation of Jesus Christ, the church is built on Jesus Christ. If any man build upon this foundation, gold, silver, precious stones, that's all good stuff, right? Gold, silver, precious stone, that's valuable stuff. And then he says, wood, hay, stubble. Well, that's trash. <laughs> Verse 13, every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it. And that day is this day we read about, the judgment seat of Christ. The day shall declare it because it shall be revealed by fire. And the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. So everything you do in this body is going to be put to the test of fire. That's the judgment seat of Christ. If any man's work abide, you know, if it lasts beyond the fire, which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. So you see, you're going to be rewarded for the works that survive the fire. If any man's work shall be burned... He shall suffer loss. All the wood, hay, and stubble is going to be consumed by the fire. But it says, he shall suffer loss. Now that's regret, right? That's a negative feeling that we're going to have in heaven. Everything we did for self and selfish reasons, even if we give to the poor, if we have not love, it profiteth nothing. Amen? 
a lot of times we help the poor so we'll feel good about ourselves. And if it's all being done so you, you can feel good, so you can feel good about yourself, or so you can brag on your church, then it's going to be wood, hay, and stubble. It's going to burn up, and you'll regret it. You'll regret it. And what I'm, what I'm going to do is I want to help save you the regret and ask us all this morning to judge ourselves now and judge our motives for what we do. Amen? Why, why would I want to go to Africa or, or India or, or anywhere in the world and go through all that trouble and expense and abuse of my body for selfish reasons and then have it all just be burnt up when I get to heaven? I want at least a, a little diamond out of it, you know, a little ruby, you know, something to show for eternity. Amen? And if, if I got to heaven and all that I've done in this life, all the years that I've spent pastoring churches and people and all the good deeds and gifts that I've given and all the stuff that we've suffered for the cause of Christ, to get there and have it all just burn up, that would be a great regret. That would be a great loss. Amen? If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss. But he himself shall be saved, yet so is by fire. doesn't mean that you, you, you're going to go to heaven. If all your works get burned up, you're still in heaven. And that's a victory in itself. But I want my life to count for something. Amen. I don't want to be like one of these people who lives a hundred years and gets saved on his deathbed. His whole life is going to be burned up. His hundred years of living are going to be for nothing. He'll still be in heaven, but he'll have nothing to show for it. Well, I want my years of living to uh, result in something that lasts eternally. Amen. Well, so we need to be focusing on, uh, you know, the, uh, the contrast between eternal benefits and passing pleasures. Because they're not the same. Eternal benefits are not the same as passing pleasures. Uh, let me show you what I'm talking about in Hebrews 11, 24. This is the Faith Hall of Fame. And, of course, you can't talk about the heroes of faith without mentioning Moses, right? And uh, in, in Hebrews 11, 24, and I'm going to read this from the Passion Translation. Hebrews 11, 24 in the Passion Translation. I like it because it's passionate, which is what we need to be about our life if we're going to have no regrets. Amen. Amen. You need to be passionate. Jesus said it this way, I would that you were hot or cold, but because you're lukewarm, I'm going to vomit you out of my mouth. Woo. He, he's looking for hot Christians, not lukewarm Christians. He's looking for passion. So thank God for the passion translation. Amen? Faith, in verse 24, faith enabled Moses to choose God's will. For although he was raised as the son of Pharaoh's daughter, which meant he was raised in the palace, he refused to make that his identity choosing instead to suffer mistreatment 
with the people of God, Moses preferred faith's certainty above the momentary enjoyment of sin's pleasures. He found his true wealth in suffering abuse for being anointed more than in anything the world could offer him. For his eyes looked with wonder not on the immediate, but on the ultimate. I like that. His eyes looked, his eyes were focused on the ultimate, not the, not the immediate. Faith's great reward. Holding faith's promise, Moses abandoned Egypt and had no fear of Pharaoh's rage because he persisted in faith as if he had seen God who is unseen. I like that. See, we make choices in life. We, ch we can choose for the immediate gratification, immediate personal pleasure, immediate gain, or we can choose the ultimate reward, which is eternal and everlasting. Jesus put it this way. He said, you know, lay not up treasures on earth where moth and rust and thieves break in and steal. Moth and rust corrupts and thieves break in and steal, but rather lay up treasures in heaven. Amen? Amen? And this is, a, this is a choice we need to make every day of our life. We need to say, Lord, what can I do today of eternal significance? How can I lay up treasure in heaven today? And order our day according to that. How many people do you know that actually do that? Most people, including Christians, live their lives just asking God to bless their plans. You know, that's like saying, God, I'm going to make a mess today. Would you bless it? Well, God doesn't bless messes. <laughs> so uh, we need to choose the better thing. Now, remember when uh, Jesus was at Mary and Martha's house? Luke 10, 41 in the King James. Luke 10, 41 says, Jesus uh, answered Martha. You know, Martha was complaining because uh, she was busy about the house and waiting on tables and cooking meals and things, serving people. And Mary was just sitting at the feet of Jesus, hanging on every word. And so she complained because Mary wouldn't help her. fully expecting Jesus to take her side, but he didn't. This is what he said, verse 41. He said, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful, and Mary has chosen that good part, which shall not be taken away from her. You see, if you make the right choice, it will be a, it will be a lasting benefit. Mary's choice... What Martha was doing was temporary. You know, the dishes get dirty again. The floor has to be swept again. The beds have to be made again. But what Mary was doing had eternal, lasting implications. Think about that. And I say to all the Marthas in here, you know, you need to make better choices. And... We appreciate your serving. We appreciate everything you do. I've got a wife that's a whole lot like Martha. She's all over the house. 
I told you about when we got the Fitbits. And I was with her all day. And I had like, you know, 2,000 steps on my Fitbit. And she had 15,000 steps on her Fitbit. <laughs> you know, and that's just the difference between, you know, you know, I like to sit and think and pray and plan and listen and study. And she cleans house. There's another explanation, too. Men, they, they think ahead and they plan the most direct route to go do what they're going to do. Women are like this. They're like squirrels. <laughs> Amen. Men are like eagles. Women are squirrely. I challenge you to prove me different. Amen. Just get a Fitbit for you and your spouse and see what I'm talking about. Amen. Ruth does that in the car. You know, I, you know, I, plan, I plan my trip, and I say, well, I'm going to make three stops, so I'm going to go to the furthest one away, and then I'm going to go from there to the, to the next one, and then to the next one, and to the next closest one, and then I'll be home. Amen. Ruth doesn't do that. Ruth goes, mm-mm, mm-mm, mm-mm. Mm, 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 and she draws a star across the city of Jacksonville. <laughs> Am I telling the truth? Okay, thank you. <laughs> Amen. But we need, we need to choose the better thing. That's all I'm saying. Martha chose the better thing. Look in Luke chapter 10 uh, in the Passion Translation, Luke 10, 41. In the Passion Translation, listen to what the Lord said. Uh, Martha, my beloved Martha. See, it doesn't mean God doesn't love, love you. Why are you upset and troubled, pulled away by all these many distractions? Are they really that important? Mary has discovered the one thing most important by choosing to sit at my feet. She is undistracted, and I won't take this privilege from her. So, let's ask ourselves the question. Are these things really that important? The things you're filling your day up with. Now, I know it's important to clean, I know it's important to cook. I know it's important to go and do. And if you have a job, you've got to fulfill your responsibilities on that job. But there are a lot of decisions we make with our time and priorities that we have in life that are just not that important. You know what I, I was thinking on the way to church this morning? The words that I put on the Christmas card are really of more importance to the recipient than the gift the card is attached to. Because words are powerful. Amen? I don't like to send a card of any kind and just sign my name to it and let the message on the card, the printed message, be the message. I always like to, you know, there's always blank space on that card where you can write your own words. 
And I always pray, I always ask the Lord, you know, what, what do I need to say to this person? And I like what Sister Wendy did. Uh, she's getting ready to go see her grandkids in Texas. And she's asked the Lord to give her a prophetic word for each one of her grandkids. And God is giving her things to say. Isn't that wonderful? Now, that, that's, what, that, that's the way a grandma should be. You know, not just so much what little toy I can give them or what little trinket I can give them, but I want to give them a word from God, an anointed word from God that they'll remember. 30 years from now, Grandma told me this. They'll forget the gift long before they forget the word. Let me ask you this. Do you remember what you gave to your family two years ago, three years ago? I don't. I have to write it down or I'll forget what I gave them. I, you know, if I, if I didn't write it down somewhere, I'd be giving the same gifts every year. And they probably wouldn't notice. I don't know. The gifts, the gifts don't make the impression. What makes the impression is the words. And we need to be, we need to be more... Uh, prayerful about the words that we use. Amen? I think that's helping somebody. Uh, Jesus, you know, he was willing to pay a, a price for our salvation because he saw the end result. And so we need to look at everything we do in life, you know, what is going to be the end result? What, you know, especially if you're paying a price, if you're paying a cost. By the way, there's nothing more precious to you than your time because it's time out of your life. And so what you do with your life, what you do with your time, what you do with your money, you need to ask yourself, you know, what, what are the benefits of me paying this cost? And Jesus did that. If you uh, uh, look in Hebrews 12, 2 in the King James, it says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. You see, Jesus was able to endure the cross. And that was a price that none of us will ever have to pay. Because he paid our price. But he endured that. Why? Why did he? Because of something that was set before him, the joy that was set before him. And I think that that joy that was set before him was all the souls that would believe on him and be saved for eternity. You see, we're going to spend eternity forever with him, thanking him and praising him and Worshiping him because he paid that price. Now, wouldn't you like your eternal rewards to talk back to you like that? To speak back into your life like that? Wouldn't you like the price you paid and what you spent your life on to come back to you forever and ever and ever as a praise? That would be amazing. So, you say, Pastor, what are you saying? I'm saying this Christmas... 
let's remember to place value and effort in sharing the true riches of Christmas with everyone, but especially those you love. It is not so much the gift itself, but it's the loving words that accompany it. Amen? I don't want you to have buyer's remorse. And if you're just focusing on the gift, you can't avoid it. There's nothing like preparing a, a wonderful gift for somebody and giving it to them and see them pick it up, look at it, smile, and then just set it aside and then go grab the next gift. But that's what happens at Christmas, amen? And with children, it's even more pronounced because you'll, you'll give them a gift that you think they're just going to love, and they want to play with the box. <laughs> Thanksgiving, we were in Tennessee with uh, the Donahue family and Ruth's great-grandson. He's there, a little tyke, eight months old, something like that, ten months old. And... Uh, they're, they'd given him this wonderful little fire truck that he could actually ride, and it blew smoke out, and it and it uh, it had a siren on it and everything. He wasn't interested. In, he wasn't interested in that. You know what he spent his time doing? Pulling the pots and pans out of the cupboards in the kitchen. <laughs> That's what fascinated him. That toy that Grandpa got because Grandpa liked it was set aside for. Tupperware. He loved the Tupperware or the plastic stuff. And so, you know, a lot, a lot of stuff we do for kids at Christmas, we, we're doing it more for us than we are them because we know they're not going to appreciate it. Most parents don't even teach their kids to say thank you. So most of the time, you ask, you ask a child the day after Christmas, would you like that gift that Grandpa gave you? And they look at you like, what gift was that? <laughs> but it's our words, our, our words of love and, and uh, comfort and advice and all of that that we give them that's going to stick with them. Amen? So make wise choices this Christmas. We say Amen. Praise the Lord. We're going to have communion, and then we'll be, we'll be dismissed. But I want you to uh, uh, appreciate the great price that was paid for our salvation. Amen? Praise the Lord. Why did Jesus do it? Because he saw the benefit of it. Amen? Why did he do this? Because he looked beyond it. And saw what he was getting for it. Amen. What was he getting? He was getting you. <laughs> Jesus was broken. His body was broken for you because he saw what it would do in your life. He saw your healing. We have no, we have no way of calculating how many people have been healed by faith. in the work of Jesus. All healing is from God. 
doctors will tell you that if they're honest they'll tell you that, that they don't they can't heal anybody all they can do is help the prog- help the process by retarding the disease or holding back the disease so your body can he- heal itself but we'll never know till we get to heaven how many people who've been healed divinely just by God. I know I'm one. I know I'm looking at some people that could have been dead a long time ago. But we're not, are we? Why? Because Jesus saw ahead and he was willing to pay the price. Lord, thank you for paying the price for our health and healing. And it's by your stripes that we are healed. And we receive that in Jesus' name. Amen. Be healed now. Be healed today. Praise the Lord. Instead of focusing on why people don't get healed, let your focus be on how, how do people get healed. Not why do they not get healed. A lot of questions. We talked about that just a while ago. You know, when a child dies, there's a lot of questions about why, why, why. Don't focus on that. Focus on the one who heals, who gives life. Amen? He shed every drop of blood, every single drop of blood that was in his body for you. He paid the price completely. Why did he do that? Because he saw that it would bring you into covenant with God Almighty and it would open you up to all the benefits and all the inheritance of sonship and daughtership to the Almighty God. And it's all by the blood. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for shedding your blood for us. And for the new covenant that it brings into effect. Not only for today, but forever. Forever and ever and ever throughout the eons of eternity. We're going to be thanking you and raising the cup to you. And thanking you for this blood. And we thank you for it today in Jesus' name. Amen.